Christians are people of faith, right? We're not people of good works. We're people of faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. And then it says we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith is the substance of things you're hoping for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen in your life, but if you have faith for them, the evidence is there. The evidence is there, though what you're praying for is not there yet. It's on the way because faith is the evidence of things you don't yet see with your natural eye, but you see it with the eyeball of faith. You see it. Faith sees things that aren't there yet. And I'm not talking about Kookyville. I'm talking about faith sees things that are in the will of God that aren't there yet, but they're on the way. Faith says, I know I, know I have it because I prayed according to his will. So whether or not I see it, I know that I have it. So I'm thanking God right now ahead of time before it even arrives. That's faith. And faith is not based on wishful thinking. Faith is based on the promises of God. If God promised it and I pray according to his will, I have it. And until it gets there, I see it, I thank him for it, and and I prepare for his arrival. Now today, I want to show you a story. I can't get away from the story of Lazarus' resurrection. I want to show you how in the story of Lazarus being resurrected from the dead... Uh, there was a stone across that tomb, and that stone represented some stones that were in the hearts of Mary and Martha. And until these stones were removed, then the stone, the real stone, the physical stone, was never going to be rolled away. There are obstacles to our faith. There are things that shoot our faith down. There are things, are you ready, that prevent the Lord from moving until we handle them. So I want to talk to you today about um, how this is illustrated in the story of Lazarus' resurrection. And I'm going to jump right in. Jesus has arrived at the scene. They think he's late. It looks like he was late because he didn't come when the messengers came to tell him that his friend Lazarus was sick. He had a fever. He had something really bad. Jesus didn't drop everything and run to him and heal his sickness. The two sisters, Mary and Martha, they can't figure it out. It doesn't, doesn't wash, doesn't make sense. Where were you, Lord? Why didn't you care? Why'd you hang around and wait? I mean, your whole attitude, we don't get it, Lord. Your, your actions aren't making sense to me. And Jesus just simply said, show me the tomb. Now, let me read it. When Jesus saw her weeping, that's Martha, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. If you want to remember a verse today, John 11, 35. Jesus wept. You got a Bible verse now. Then the Jews said, look how he loved him. Some of them said, but wait a minute. Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus heard all of this. He heard the talk going down about him. It says he was deeply moved. One translation even says he was angry. He came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, and Jesus said something incredible. He said, 
take away the stone. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, I love this. Read it with me, everybody. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now that's catching fire. I want to read it one more time out loud. Did I not? Come on, everyone. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? All right. Well, based on that statement, they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said with everybody watching, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. I just got Holy Ghost bumps just then. And look what it says. It says, the dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Amen. Well, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the word of God today. So real, so powerful. Lord, stir up our faith today. Strengthen our faith today. I'm asking you straight up, Lord, strengthen our faith today. Increase our faith. Sharpen our faith. Strengthen our faith. Ignite our faith. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Can you pray with me and just say, Lord, build my faith. Make it stronger today than when I came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you got it. Amen. Now, last time we talked about the three kinds of faith that, the, that are in this story. The sisters had two kinds of faith. They had yesterday faith as exemplified in the statement, if you had been here. They had yesterday faith. If you had been here, if you had just been here, do you know, folks, that you can live in the tyranny of if only If only you had been here. And how many times do we say, if only I hadn't gone there, if only I hadn't said that, if only I hadn't met that person, if only I had not made that decision, if only God had done something different, if only God had warned me, if only, if only, if only. We have faith in what might have been, what could have been, and that's yesterday faith. They had someday faith. Martha said, I know that he will rise at the last day. So notice, had been Yesterday faith will rise, someday faith, but Jesus was looking for something else that day. Jesus was looking for now faith, now faith. The faith both Mary and Martha needed right then and there for the Lord to do what he wanted to do. Today faith. So he said that to them, I am. Not I could have been, not I will be, but I am. Can everybody say I am? See, you can't let yesterday's if-onlys ruin your faith today. Because even if, yes, you would have done something different back then, the Lord is not hindered by your mistakes or mine. Amen? I mean, if he was hindered by our mistakes, we're all sunk because we all make mistakes. Now, when Jesus arrived at the tomb, 
He saw that a stone had been rolled over the mouth of the tomb, and the tomb was a cave that descended downward, and down at the bottom is where the body lay, and that's the way they did tombs back then. It was not like rest land or, or whatever, but it was, it was a cave, and it descended down, and they would lay the body there, and then they would roll a stone over it to keep animals out and to keep the decay out and all of that, and, and that was it. And Jesus is coming on the scene now, and he says, he says, I want you to show, now follow me. He said, I want you to show me where your problem is laying. Because now they had a dead brother. Before they had a sick brother, and that was a problem. And they sent Jesus, uh, for Jesus to come and heal him. But Jesus didn't do that, so the problem got worse until their problem died. Sometimes God will let something get very severe so that when he fixes it, it brings great glory to him. All right? Now, their, their problem, a now dead brother, in their minds, their problem had become too big now. The Lord could not fix this. How in the world can he do anything about this? Nothing can help us now. When he was sick, he could have done something. But now the problem's too big. And I think it's interesting the way we judge our problems. We look at our problems and we grade them from scale of 1 to 10. Well, I've got a 5, so God can do something about that. Oh, it's inching up to an 8. Man, this is going to take great faith. I don't know if the Lord can do this, but when the problem reaches a 10 and our problem is dead, our situation looks hopeless, then then our faith begins to faint because we have our problem on a sliding scale. And, and, and that's what they had done. They had, had, they had their problem, a sick brother, now a dead brother, on a sliding scale. And so, so there is a story, there is a, a, an illustration for us here, because nothing is in the Word of God by mistake. Uh, the Bible says all Scripture is given by straight-up inspiration of God. So God moved John to tell this story so that we could learn from it. So I, I want to see here, I want to pull some truths out of this story for you and me um, about rolling away the stone and how that stone represented something in these sisters' hearts. Uh, and until it was fixed in here, there wasn't going to be anything happening out here. Amen? Now, the first thing I see is when, when Jesus said, roll away the stone, What he was essentially saying to them is what he says to all of us. Let me into your problem. Let me into your problem. See, that stone was a barrier. It stood between Jesus and the problem he wanted to fix. And it stood between Jesus and what the sisters wanted done. That stone was was a barrier. And so when Jesus said, I want you to roll it away, I just hear this. He he was saying, let me in to your problem. Move away the stone so that I can get at your problem. This stone is in my way. You know how often we have problems that are eating our lunch. And the last thing we ever do is turn to Jesus and say, come into my problem. I'm inviting you into my problem. Lord, I need your help. I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your touch. I need your supernatural power. Lord, I'm asking you to come into my problem. But instead, we worry about it. We fret about it. We get on the phone, tell everybody else about it. We text about it. 
we write about our stuff on Facebook. Man, I'll never understand that. You tell your stuff to the whole world on Facebook. We ought to be telling Jesus instead of Facebook. Some of you need to clean your face. Book. I don't go on and give my dirty laundry to Facebook. I don't want gossips getting hold of it. I don't want slanderers getting a hold of it. It isn't anybody's business. Listen, instead of taking it to Facebook, take it to the face of Jesus. Look up. Look up and take it to him. Now, we, we, we don't open our hearts up. For some reason or another, it's like God's a last resort. Well, I guess I'm going to have to pray about it. When the very first reaction ought to be, when we've got a problem, I want Jesus in this problem. I want to invite Jesus into this problem. I need to roll away the stone and let him at my problem. I need to let him at my marriage. I need to let him at my money. I need to let him at my kids. I need to let him at this temptation. I need to let him into the problem. Bring him into the problem. There's a verse we often quote uh, that we use for evangelistic purposes, and and I do it all the time. It's Revelations 3.20. But listen to this. Jesus talking. He says, look, I've been standing at the door and I'm constantly knocking. If anyone hears me calling him and opens the door, opens the door, who has to open the door? We do. See, we hear his call and he's knocking, but he's not going to push his way into your problem. He's not going to push his way into your stuff. He's not going to meddle with your stuff until you hear his knock and you open the door. He said, if you hear me calling and open the door, I'll come in. I'll come in. If there's anything you want dealing with your problem, it's the son of the living God. There's not a problem he can't fix. There is not a problem he can't solve. He never looks up and says, well, I can't do anything about this. No, 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 no. Listen, and the context of this verse is not evangelistic. The context is Jesus is standing at the door of a troubled, lukewarm church, the church of Laodicea, that is dying on the vine, and he was no longer welcome in. Imagine this, a church, but he's on the outside knocking for the church to let him in. I can think of whole denominations where Jesus has essentially been kicked out. I can think of whole denominations where he's on the outside knocking, wanting access in because we've kicked him out by rejecting his word, refusing to preach his name anymore, refusing to preach the uniqueness of the Son of God anymore. We have edged him out. And now with many churches and many people who name themselves or call themselves Christians, he's on the outside knocking, wanting entrance in. This church in the Bible was in deep spiritual peril, and the Lord is saying, I'm on the outside looking in. I want to help you. I want to restore you. I'm knocking, but you won't let me in. Listen, I want him into my problem. Come on, everybody. Amen. And it's sometimes the very same with us. We're troubled. We're in need of a supernatural touch. I need a supernatural touch from God, like Martha and Mary. And he's saying, I'm knocking, but you won't let me in. I'm knocking, but you won't let me into this. I'm knocking, but you won't let me touch it. Last night... In prayer, 
oh, I was praying for the supernatural power of God because I don't want to come together and just have church for church's sake. I want the supernatural power of God. I want the anointing of God moving. I want chains snapping. I want bondages being broken. I want the lost to be saved. I want the depressed lifted up. I want doors open that are shut. I want God to move supernaturally. So I said, Lord, you know what I'm about to preach, and I'm just telling you right now, I am opening the door. You come in to turning point. He's knocking right now at the door of many of your hearts, many of you watching by streaming video. I'm so glad you're with us. And let me just talk to you right where you are in your living room, wherever you might be looking on an iPad, maybe in some other location. But the Lord is knocking right now on the door of your pain. He wants to touch your pain. He cares about your pain. He knows you're limping. He knows you're hurting. He knows that you don't know what to do. He knows you need direction. And right now he's saying, I'm knocking. Open the door and let me into your pain, your trouble, your problem. Though it looks too late to you, it's not too late to me. Open the door. Open the door. Now, Not only do we need to let him in, but I see two spiritual obstacles that were like stones in their heart, that that they needed to move these stones before this stone out here could be actually moved, because they weren't willing to move this out here until they moved the stones in here. And so when Jesus said, roll away the stone, move away the stone, Notice Martha's very first response. We see a stone of pride. Because she immediately said to the Lord, by this time, oh, Lord, no, no, no. Because by this time, there's a bad odor. He has been dead four days. He's been there for four days. Lord, no, 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 no. Don't ask me. Don't ask me to roll away the stone because I am embarrassed of what you will see and all these funeral attendees are going to see if you roll away that stone. I see a pride issue here with Martha. She didn't want the funeral crowd to be exposed to how bad her problem, a dead brother, had become. She was ashamed. She was embarrassed. Her pride was involved. Lazarus sure didn't care. He's dead. But she did. She cared. She cared. I want you to notice the son of the living God, very God in flesh, said, roll away the stone. And she protested. Something rose up in her that needed to be dealt with. And I believe it was pride. And it played a big part in keeping that stone out here over the tomb. She didn't want to move it because pride was stopping her. See, folks, I've been around a while. And I'm going to tell you, I know people. And I know me. I'm putting myself in here. And I believe that a spirit of pride, listen carefully to me, a spirit of pride is responsible for more hindrances to spiritual breakthrough than any single thing I can think of. More than, I believe there's going to be more people in hell because of pride than drugs, alcohol, immorality, all rolled up in one. How many people are going to end up in hell because they said when they heard the gospel, I can't become one of those. All my friends will make fun of me. I'll lose my reputation. I'm going to become the brunt of their jokes. No, I've got a reputation to maintain. I can't become a Christian. And pride keeps the stone roll over the tomb of their sin. 
We fear we've got a problem like Martha that is so bad it would be revolting to others if they knew about it. So there is no way they're going to know about it because my pride won't let me roll away the stone. Some people have a dying marriage and they don't want anybody to know. Oh, no, no, no. I've got a reputation to uphold. So, so even though my marriage is in big trouble, there's no way I'm going to say anything about it. Or a habit. They've got a habit that is killing them. But they're not going to come out with it because pride keeps the stone rolled over the tomb of their habit and their problem and what is killing them. Hear me today. Some of you, it's pride keeping you from Jesus getting at your problem. Humble yourself in the, under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. Confess your faults to one another and pray one for another that you might be healed. See, pride, 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 pride. We're not going to tell anybody about our habit or a temptation that's about to take you down. And you are struggling for your life with a temptation, but you're not about to tell somebody. You're not about to go to God with it because pride is keeping the stone rolled over your Listen, I'm not pointing a finger this way. I've done it a thousand times. Oh, I've got a reputation to uphold. I, 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 people think this or that about me. And there's no way I'm going to let them think anything else. Are you ready? Pride is a thief. Pride is a liar. The, the, the fear that they may lose their social standing or be rejected by people whose opinion they care too much about, or they may be looked down upon as not being spiritual enough, or how about the self-help people? There's so many self-help books out there. You want to take a whole day, go into a bookstore with a pad and pencil and start writing down all the titles of self-help books. You can do it. You got it going on. You're the man, you're the woman, you can do it, you can push through. Even some books telling you that you are a mini God on the inside. And we've got this self-help attitude. We believe that asking for help is a sign of weakness because, because I can take care of this myself. Well, let me tell you something. There's some things you cannot take care of yourself. There are some things that take God. Can I just talk truth a little bit today? There's some things that take God. Some things you can't handle yourself. And that's why Jesus said, I have been anointed. I have been anointed to open prison doors to those who are bound and can't get out on their own. I've been anointed to open blind eyes. I've been anointed to break the bondage of the devil. I've been anointed to do what you can't do. There are some things that only the anointing of God can do. You're never going to be free unless the Son of God touches you and snaps that chain off your life. So the bottom line is we'd rather have a stinking problem than a shattered image. Let me, let me just tell you the truth about pride and problems. First, most of the people whose opinion you're, you care so much about and you think they're thinking about you, can I just tell you this? Most of the people you think are thinking about you aren't. They're not. You're not as important in their heads as you think you are. And, and, and here's the deal. If the truth were known, they've also got 
problems they don't want you to know about. And so if you come clean and you get your stuff together and you let Jesus set you free, you might be the witness that brings them to the same place because we've all got stuff. We all need the touch of God. We all need God's help. Nobody in here is to the place we don't need God's help. Now, let me tell you the truth about problems. Problems don't go away. Problems don't go away. They must be solved. Problems must be solved. If you think denying the problem or ignoring the problem is going to make it go away, it's not going to go away. Let me tell you the truth about a problem. That problem in your life, if you don't face it today, I promise you, you will face it someday. And when you face it later, it's going to be worse than it is today. I'm going to say that again because I know this is true. Whatever problem, you're going, well, I'm just going to deny it. I'm just going to walk away from it. I'm going to act like it's not there. I'm never going to bring it to God. i got too much pride. I'm just going to put it down here. I'm going to compartmentalize it over here in my life. But here's the deal. Every problem you ignore, if you don't face it, down the road, you will face it. And next time you face it, it's going to be bigger. It's going to be worse. Can you say with me, Lazarus' dead body will only have gotten worse. It would not have gotten better. If they had rolled away the stone that day, he was only going to get worse. And that's the way problems are. Problems require being solved, faced, dealt with, healed, fixed, delivered, solved. Whether you need the wisdom of God, a supernatural touch from God, whatever it is that problem needs, it needs it today. Now, a second stone They needed to roll away. There was that stone of pride, and there it was, and it was keeping the stone from being rolled away. But there was another one. There's another stone in the two sisters' hearts that had to be rolled away, had to be dealt with, or Jesus couldn't get to the problem. That's the stone of unbelief. See, nobody believed that Jesus could do anything about Lazarus now that he was dead. They had all the faith in the world that Jesus could come and heal him because they'd seen Jesus heal. But this is another level. This is a whole other level because now Jesus is saying, let me at your problem that doesn't need healing anymore. It needs a supernatural resurrection from the literal dead. And nobody believed that Jesus could do anything about it. Unbelief has now replaced faith. Martha had all the faith in the world. Come heal him. But now that he wants at the problem that's dead, her faith hit a wall. She said, no, 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 this isn't on my sliding scale. No, this is way bigger than anything that I can believe God to do. Jesus, I was with you till now, but now I don't believe. You know what unbelief is? It is the opposite of faith. With faith, you believe God can do something and wants to do something and will do something on your behalf. Unbelief says, I don't believe he wants to do something. I don't believe he can do something. I don't believe he will do something. That's unbelief. It's the opposite of faith. It's the absolute opposite of faith. And so I say to you, unbelief is a thief and a liar as well. Unbelief says, it's too late. Hear me today. Unbelief says, it's too late. But faith says, No, 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 it's never over till God has had his say. Unbelief says God can't. 
Faith says God can. Unbelief says the problem is too big now even for God. Faith says nothing is too hard for the Lord. The Lord can do anything. If I pray and it's in his will, nothing is too hard for the Lord. Can we give him praise today? Come on, everybody. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. When you follow Jesus through the Gospels, here's what you notice about Jesus. Starting at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, go all the way through. You, you see Jesus when he confronted people. The very first thing he did over and over again was he, he sized up their faith, the condition of their faith. He focused on their faith. He, he, he marveled, for instance, at the centurion's great faith who believed that the Lord would heal his daughter long distance. Jesus said, I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. So he noticed his great faith. But then he came to his own hometown. And the Bible says that he marveled at their unbelief because they didn't believe that he would do or could do anything. And I want you to look at what their unbelief robbed from them. Mark 6, 5. And because of their what, everyone? Unbelief. He couldn't. Everybody say couldn't. Notice this. Something about unbelief hamstrings God. There's something about unbelief that that, that ties God's hand. I'm just reading the Bible. I'm, I'm telling you what the Bible says. He couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them as if that were, you know, some nondescript, no big deal. If I laid my hands on a few sick people and they were healed, I'd be jumping and doing cartwheels all the way home. But for Jesus, this was not, this was not a, a huge miracle day. But notice, and he was amazed at their unbelief. Twice, the Bible tells us why the Lord goes into this town, and, and only God knows how many sick people, how many desperate people, how many terrible situations, demon-possessed, lepers, sick, uh, deaf, blind, how many needy people he would have touched if there had been faith in this town, but it was his hometown. And a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and amongst those who have known him and familiarity destroys faith. So unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles because of unbelief. Jesus' main concern with those that followed him was the condition of their faith. He constantly said these things to his disciples. Oh, you of little faith, where is your faith? Be it unto you according to your faith. Your faith has made you whole. He was always, listen, the most important thing to the Lord in your life today, believe it or not, is your faith. You know what the devil's after in your life? He's after your faith. The devil's not out to give you a flat tire. I say this, but it bears repeating. He's not out to make something go bump in the night. He's not out to, you know, blow on a candle that's going in your house and make the flame bend and you go, ooh, there's something in here. Oh, no, the devil's far more, far more strategic and intentional He knows what he's after. He wants your faith. That's why some of you are struggling with your faith today because you're wondering why God didn't move, why he didn't answer this prayer or that prayer, why he let this or that happen. And the devil is moving against you in your mind, and he's coming against God in your mind 
Because he wants you to give up on God, walk out on God, give up on prayer, give up on the Bible, give up on church. Because if he can get your faith, he can stop your spiritual growth. And your effectiveness. How many times in my life has the devil tried to destroy my faith? That's why every day I'm in the Word, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. If your faith is flickering instead of roaring, a roaring fire is just a flicker, you need to get into the Word of God, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Fan into flame the faith of God inside of you by getting into the Word. Martha and Mary had yesterday faith. They had someday faith. But Jesus is standing there at the tomb of Lazarus saying, where is your faith right now? I want to do something right now. I am the answer to your problem right now. I want you to get rid of your pride, and I want you to be willing to stretch your faith and dare to believe me to do something you've never seen me do before. Oh, this is good. I'm going to get this CD. This is good stuff. John records that Martha finally swallowed her pride. Okay, roll away the stone. Oh, here we go. It's going to stink. It's going to be bad. But I love it. Our Lord Jesus walks up, stares down into this dark and awesome tomb. Yeah, there was a smell. The problem was bad. But he spoke to the problem when they moved pride When they moved pride and they dared to believe, he spoke to an impossible problem. And when Jesus talks to your problem, your problem is doomed. Can we stand together today? I would give anything to have been there to see this man. You talk about the mummy. Because he can barely shuffle out of there because grave clothes are all around him, and that's next week. Because some of you have been raised from the dead, but you still got grave clothes around you. And I'm going to get them off next week. Don't miss next week. Because some of you are saved, but you're still walking around just like this. And you need to hear Jesus loose him and let him go. Amen. But right now, what obstacles are standing between you and Jesus getting to your problem today? Is it pride? Maybe it's fear. Fear. Unbelief? Embarrassment? If those are there, they got to be rolled away. I hear Jesus saying, move the stone away. Let me at your problem. I've been there so many times, folks. I've had pride. I've had pride where, oh, I'm a pastor. I can't. I can't confess that or come out with that or admit that because that means I'm not perfect. I shed the perfect thing a long time ago. Nobody's perfect. 
sometimes embarrassing. Yeah, but listen, that stone, listen, no stone is worth you forfeiting your freedom. So if you can say, Jeff, I've got a stone that needs to be rolled away. I'm going to ask you to slip down. Come on, come down right now. I want you to slip out and come. I don't want you to be ashamed. It's pride. It's this. It's that. And I know there's a lot of people in here struggling with a lot of things. But I want to lay hands on you. And I want to believe God to set you free today. Come on. Come on. And Lord, I just pray you'll help people to get free today. Lord, I pray that whatever is standing between us and a miracle, between us and you moving on our problem, Lord, I pray that you will loose the people and let them go, let them respond. And Lord, you will do a miracle in this altar today. Do a miracle in many of their lives. Because God wants to get at your family. He wants to get at your marriage. He wants to get at your finances. He wants to get at your peace of mind. He wants to get at your heart. He wants to get to you. Roll away the stone. Roll away the stone. In the mighty name of Jesus. And the rest of us, if you've been there and you know what it is to roll that stone away, let's lift our hands up and say, Lord, in Jesus' name. And let's pray for these precious people in the altar right now. Because the Lord can do anything. If that stone is rolled away, the Lord can do anything. He can face your greatest problem and give you a word of wisdom, give you a word of knowledge, give you a word of direction, give you a word of understanding. He can do anything. He can do anything. And so now, Lord, we come to you with the stones that are are over our heart. Lord, this is a battle. It's a struggle. It's a time, uh, Lord, of decision. Am I going to let that stone remain or am I going to remove it and receive the touch of God? Now, Lord, we roll the stone. I want you to say it with me. Lord, I roll the stone off my heart, the stone of pride, the stone of fear, the stone of embarrassment the stone of unbelief and I believe you Lord to break through on my Lazarus and touch this problem that nothing could change but the power of God Lord I receive it today in the name of Jesus now let's lift our hands give him a wave offering and say Lord I thank you for it right now I thank you for the power of God. I thank you for the release of God. I thank you, Lord, for moving on this situation. I thank you, Lord, that I have not prayed in vain. I thank you, Lord, that you are able, you are able, you are able. In the mighty name of the Lamb of God. Come on, praise him, everybody. Praise him, everybody. Praise him, everybody. Thank you, Lord. 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 Now, I want to give you what he's giving me right now. This is true. Because God's moving on some of you in a powerful way right now in this altar. Let me tell you what he's giving me. The way the Lord touches your Lazarus, he speaks to it. Now, listen to me. He speaks to it. This week, I was in prayer about something that I've struggled with for a while. It was not a sin. It was a question. And it it, it was something really just, I just needed an answer for it. Anybody ever need an answer? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And and, and this Lazarus was just troubling me. And, And I got one quiet word 
dropped into my spirit. And when he dropped that word into my spirit, Lazarus was fixed. Because see, Lazarus can be a perplexity. Lazarus can be a problem. I could go on and I could preach again, but I can't. But, but whatever it is, I want you to take time with God today and listen to him. Give him time to talk to you. Because he'll give you one word and it'll be a word of peace. And it will touch that lad. He talked to Lazarus and he came out. He'll talk to your Lazarus. Amen. Can we give God praise today? Amen.